0: Yes. Okay, so wait. Around at this time, were you already doing the mixtapes? No,
1: didn't start that till after. Until you did the radio yeah, show. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the funny thing is, they they offered me this job, but there was no money. So they said, "We're gonna give you a shot, but we can't pay you." Yeah. And so m- my thought was, okay, well, right now I'm doing a radio show for free, that's only reaching X amount of people. Right. I'm about to go jump on a radio station that has a hundred thousand watts. Why I don't give a fuck about money because I'm gonna turn I'm gonna take that opportunity yeah. and I'm gonna turn it into something else. Right. So my rate to DJ is gonna go up. Yep. Then yeah. I start thinking about okay I can sell mixtapes because people were already bugging me to make tapes anyway. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like the actually the people who asked me to make tapes the most were my friends, but it was two black guys. Those guys. So Ballhead and Adrian and them. Okay. Who Were like, Yo, guy, make us tapes to play in the store. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And so when I would play, when i give them the tapes, they would say how many people want to dub them or buy them. And one of them said, you should sell them. Give me 10 mm-hmm. and we'll sell them for you. And so literally, I think it was two black guys where it's, where this, this, it really, just started, the, the, yeah. the, the spark was, right? Wow. I gave them okay. 10 tapes and they were gone in one day. They were like, yo, we need more. Bam. Bam. And then it was like, okay, Bam. okay, okay. And then... And then I realized, okay, so if I sell some tapes here, and then I go sell some tapes over here, and I go sell some, and I talk Play about it on TV. my radio, and I go talk about it on my yeah, radio yeah, show, yeah, yeah, and say, yeah. oh, by the way, if you're looking for tapes, you can get tapes here and you can get tapes there. And my bosses didn't give a shit because I was doing it for free, and it wasn't really infringing upon it wasn't anything, a that, of interest, right, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so again, for me, it was how do you take an opportunity that's given to you and make the most out of it, right? And so right. it was. So if I was spinning. You know parties and making 250 Literally the day that I fucking started the radio show On energy I start charging 500 Anybody who didn't want me can fuck themselves That's my rate Right, right. right I know
0: right, there right.
1: was guys that made noise But I go,es well, how the fuck do your rate just jump I go well look where I am now man, man. Yeah, I I Hey business, man Hey man.
0: Yo, man, do, so, do, so, do you still have every Do you 7? still have every mix team like, the actual the like for from one, yeah. Like, from yeah. 1 all the way to well, 49, guy,
2: yeah. This guy's collection, I remember, I speak, I've been in this dude's room. Oh, those records are gone, though. No, but so your tapes, your collection, your musical oh. stuff, I know you have it. It's all there. And it's pretty meticulously yeah. DRK, organized. mean DRK are the, are the two I know, I, I know, know DRK, too, DRK, too, but no, I went in the house, you pull the drawers open, everything's all like... It's like,
0: put on a file. Like, okay. I just want to talk about the mixtapes for a minute, because it was... A Toronto institution, man. A mastermind take here. I, no, no. I wonder if you're exaggerating slightly. No, no. Dude, come on. Do you think oh. I am though? That's yeah. it. Like sometimes my... I feel
1: like sometimes I feel like we're we're figments of our own hype, you know what I mean? Like No nah, man, listen, oh, I, oh, I truly
2: oh. believe it's that the last time saves work. You, you have to step outside of what you're doing and step back. Like over time, Let's same way, step back. You never realize in the moment because 'cause you're so caught up in it, but if you look back There was only like 15 or 20 movers or shakers in that time period. And if you're one of the names in there, then you were definitely a contributor. You didn't know it, but it's like like your sole purpose, your mission. Your drive just took you there. And yeah, you look at the radio story, like I said, that's just the truth.
0: Right Listen man You okay. can only look back 20 years later And see some stuff sometimes You know what I'm saying but I mean you, you just said it yourself You put the tapes You put the tapes out They sold out In a day type
1: thing But a lot of that Has to do with the fact That we were still living In a time where The music wasn't As accessible right So right. the minute You have access To something That is in demand whether, It doesn't matter who I just happen I think for me It was right time Right place do You know what I mean right. Opportunity was The opportunity was there For taking mm-hmm. I just happened to be One of the first I wasn't the first guy To fucking make mixtapes. No. No now see. This, is, on, this is
0: what I'm. This is where I'm. This is where I'm trying to say to you. Like when I'm, to me, I know that a mastermind tape was a Toronto institution, very Man. specifically, because. My whole thing would be to come downtown on a Saturday afternoon, go to fucking Play D, buy up some mixtapes on my way back home for the week and whatever, right. and listen, to go back home and be like, okay, yo, I got the new Clue tape, I got the new Mastermind exactly. tape, I got the new that's Juice that's tape, good. whatever. It was a big deal. Like, I know to my homies, it would be like, oh, yo, you got the Mastermind tape. But that's that was the one today. thing
1: that I had to figure out how to differentiate myself from those, because New York tapes were all around anyway. Right, 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 so right. what was what was going to make my thing different? Well, for one, I wasn't going to talk over everything. Right. And I was really, you know, as much as Clue, well, he came a bit later, but as right. much as Clue uh, dominated the whole have shit before anybody else, in my time, it was have shit before, before anybody else. else, right? Yeah. And my thing is, you know, as much as, you know, as much as, you know, people may want to say as a DJ, you want to be the guy to, to have something before anybody else, the biggest joy I ever got was getting something that was new and dope and being able to share it. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? Like, nothing made me more excited when I would come home and a record would be at my house that was delivered and it was brand new. Nobody heard it, but it was dope and I was like, I can't wait to play this. Right? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. that's, 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 that's what it was about. It wasn't about, yeah. you know, calling my friends and go, you know, I got this shit no one else got. Blah, 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 yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, I can't wait to, share, to share, with, share with people. Cool. And And so, again, I wasn't the first guy making tapes. I just... I think I jumped on an opportunity that it that wasn't. Ex- in but I think
2: because your re- your production level at that time after the, that's the thing I think. And was, that is that level me. that you don't like to say staying on You'd be surprising you like you'd be surprised you, like because you're so on that radio the process you went through. By the time you got to mix it? It
0: was
1: presented in a way. Yeah, like, but I listen back to like, some of them, and like, right. there's some dookie ones, man. Okay, like, wait, wait. Oh, are like there that?
0: are there any tape that's like some? Is there a specific tape that sticks out to you? Because
1: I know for me, there's one that sticks out. To Not me. for me personally. Okay. Actually, no. I shouldn't say that. There was one where I, I primarily mixed two turntables straight through. Okay. Right? And then uh, it, closer to the end of the run, so around '99, um, and this is when other people actually started making mixes and they were putting out CDs and stuff. And there was a lot of guys doing multi-track. Right. I did one intro, multi-tracked intro that I put a lot of thought in, and a process into. And i rather enjoy that tape. Okay. Actually, and there was another one, sorry. So, so there was that one, and it was the one where I got the, the drop from Stone Cold and The Rock. Uh, and yeah. I, I started... Do you know each, the numbers I, of them, or no? The Stone Cold and The Rock, I think, was 46 or 45 or something like that. And then that the other one was 47. It was the later ones. Okay. It might even have been the very last one. Because, yo, for
0: me, there's one, 36. Yeah. Which the Knights Young Red Life is yeah. on that, oh. so Thrust will tell you. Remy is my homie, like from when we were kids right. growing up, right? right? So I come downtown on the Saturday, get the tape. Me and him used to work together at that time. Okay. So come to work on Monday, and I'm like, "Yo, I got the new Mastermind tape. Knights Young's on it."
1: Oh, he didn't even know. He was
0: like, "Fuck off," <laughs> yeah, like
1: that kind of shit. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like it was a big, deal. Was it was, yeah, a thing, was a big wow. deal. To so like, hmm. But you know what I took a lot of pride In it. Even when I was on CHRY But when I got to When I got to um, Energy Especially when I was on Five to seven yeah. Because they eventually After a year They, they moved it That's another whole that's story That's why you went to Mondays yeah, or something. Yeah Mondays shit. and Tuesdays But that's, that's right. a whole other story But they said That you gotta play A certain amount of CanCon well, That's the year, right? Every uh, Per show mm. And It It irritated me Because We didn't have a lot of Good Stuff Enough to to make it different every week And, you know, so I was getting records that people were making that weren't that great And so it was a little frustrating But as the, the, so I actually actively was out there um, trying to find the best of the best shit Right You know what I mean? And I took a lot of pride in, uh, especially on my tapes, when I got stuff to be able to play it Right And it's interesting My program director now Where I work now Right Is the guy who hired me back At Energy At Energy oh, okay Yeah what? And so he He actively reminds me You know Cause he saw my work ethic So he'd know I'd be in there yeah. And before there was digitized You know um, Mediums to edit music and stuff Right I would be at the radio station splicing Recording things. stuff Like splicing Splice. reel to reel Splice. You know Cleaning shit Crazy. up So I would have it to play On my show See now it's funny Because if you say that
0: About the Canadianship But one of the uh, One of the other tapes That means a lot to me And I've even like Kind of talked to you About this a little bit Is 49 Tape 49 was like All Canadian dudes But
1: 49 wasn't a tape Right So the process So the process was this So I was making these tapes Yeah And and I I will say this You know All all props to Eugene Because I don't think It really exploded for me Until I put the tapes In Play D Mm -hmm. So what had happened was I was putting these tapes out here and there, you know, barbershops or two black guys and, you know, places yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And then me and Eugene had a chat and he says, yo, we'll sell the tapes here. And he told me how the breakdown was or whatever. And I said, OK, cool. How many do you want to start with? And he gave me a, you know a modest amount and they were gone. You know, Eugene would push it because the one difference that that I was doing that nobody else was able to do. And I think this is also why. I had the longevity and eventually the fan base was that I was able to talk about my tapes on my show. Right, right. So on my show, there was one segment near the end or whatever. Oh, by the way, if you ever want to get a mastermind mixtape, you could pick them up at and I would name the different places. Yeah, so I play. Totally so play that, D. Yeah. Play D would get a plug for pushing my shit. Yeah, and in turn, more people would go there to buy shit. So, so. I do believe that you know, there was, it was a combination of people hearing about it, going there to pick it up, but also when people would come in and say, yo, I want a hip hop tape, Eugene grabbing my tape. And saying Here take this, this is a this great tape, Right yeah, yeah 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 And so there was a co- So he ended up Started moving Mad fucking tapes for me This is what you're right. Right <laughs> And and so eventually You get Eugene and, out here Eugene you, you coming man Don't Yeah we. definitely Have to get Eugene okay, so you know, out here Yeah absolutely, absolutely. I mean listen man Yo know, his yeah. stories Must be crazy. Between between the fucking uh, The store oh. And then the fucking Record, record label and the, the video. Big.
0: Yo you can ask X this okay. Year And I'm talking about Years ago I've wanted to do A documentary On Play the Record oh. For the longest this time. Man. But that's a whole other episode. We'll get you, Gina. So yo, did you speaking of play D, did you get caught up in the big Right. In yes. the big uh what was it? Well the sweep, I actually, The Mixtape sweep we'll call I, it. I know, didn't
1: know. and I did. Okay. Right? So there's a there's a it's a weird it's a weird thing. Right. Because we know the
0: fame story. We know like I know Kate uh Cape Cut Kevin, you know what I mean? And he I know Baby Blue Sound Crew got hit hard with that. Yeah, Baby Blue is oh, the reason then, that the yeah, whole thing happened, happy. right? That's right,
1: that's right. So, so the mixtapes had a good run, so from 94 till 99, right. right? I had I had gotten to the point where I had people in Japan, stores in Japan hitting me up for my tapes over there. <laughs> I had stores in Vancouver, stores in Edmonton, stores in Calgary. So my tapes were everywhere. I was, and I didn't compete with anybody. Right. My thing had always been, um, they're always going to be on cassette, I'm not going to talk on them, and I'm just going to keep making them the way I've always made. Right, them, right. Because they all looked exactly the same for to the most part. part. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason why I didn't get caught up in that is because, again, we didn't have a huge, we didn't have an outlet for hip hop. Right. And so the record labels, and at the time between '94 and '99, we had, you know, finally we had a commercial radio station playing hip hop. We had, we still had, you know, CHRY still had a radio show now. Uh, CKLN had a radio show CIUT had a radio show So there was a little more There was some more LSB. We had Rap City right, right? right So we had places And now the record labels Are hiring people To work these records Because they're getting Pressure from the states Saying Yo we got all these Fucking songs Blowing up over here What the fuck Are you guys doing there You have no Nobody who knows The music working them Right and So they were hiring guys Like Big C And Saul And creating urban departments, you know, Kwame and and Jazzy, they were getting hired and and doing their thing and and utilizing the the blueprint that the states was running and doing Doing street team stuff. stuff, Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So because my tapes became so popular, all these record label guys were coming to me saying, Yo, we need you to put this on the tape. Okay. We got a new so-and-so, can you get it on your tape? Can you play it? So it's one thing playing it on my show, but they also wanted them on my tapes now. Right? Oh, okay. So fast forward, we're coming into 99 and all of a sudden dudes have have expanded beyond just making tapes to now making CDs. Right. So you're taking stuff that's not licensed and you're putting it in CD quality cuz you're recording in a studio, multi-tracking, and you're putting it now on a CD, and what happened was people were going to places like HMV asking for Baby Blues Album, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And other people's CDs. So what was happening, you had twofold. You had HMV then calling, because they don't know anything, calling the record label going, yo, when's this Baby Blue album coming? Because I got everybody coming in here asking me for this Baby Blue CD. And the record label's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. They start doing investigating. And they're realizing that this is not... you know, they're, A, they're not licensing. We have all these compilations. We have Much Dance, and we have MC Mario. Yeah, and yeah, these yeah. guys are putting out mixes with licensed music. But then you have this other crew who is putting out shit, and they're not paying or getting license fees or whatever that are, getting, that are being sold. So they're done investigating now, and they're realizing, holy shit, there's this, this underground mixtape thing we've never heard of because the guys, the guys who are feeding us... They all know about it, but they don't need to report to the guy, right. the a saying, oh, yo, yeah, we're giving these guys the music because this is helping to promote our shit. The upper guys are having meetings going, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on? And the lawyers and everything. And so one day out of the blue, they do one of those raids where they went and they snatched everything from all the stores and they gave out tickets or whatever. Okay. Okay. There was one place in Scarborough that was doing all the dubbing for everybody. They went and fucking shut them down. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Right? That yeah, there was a guy who I found in Scarborough who was like a... He would dub all the cassettes Double and cassettes. shit, right? Okay. Because for the first little while I was doing it at home, I went and I bought like eight tape decks and I was just doing the shit myself. Right, right, but right. eventually when you're, when you're moving enough so units, much, you're like, bro. I can't do this anymore, so I'm going to go and get them all done by one guy. Just
0: out of curiosity,
1: do you have like...
0: A, a round figure of how many mixtapes you ever sold? No, no, like
1: total? No, I'm no. I'm just saying, like, but I'm saying a guess I was, to I if was, you had So to. for a while, I was putting out a tape at least once a month, right? Yeah, sometimes it fluctuated depending on uh, music availability. Okay. So just to say, on average, I was putting out a tape once a month, and I was probably moving, uh, depending on the tape, you know, eight hundred, cool, yeah, okay. a thousand tapes, something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Give or take, right, right, and that's that's that could be way off again. I don't remember, right, 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 right. right, right. But it was it was good enough that 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 was my that was my job, right? So between doing the radio show, you're getting paid, and and doing gigs, that I would I turned nothing into something, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. yeah, yeah. So, but what happened was so around '99 when this whole raid thing happened. I was hitting a wall. I felt there was, for me personally, it was like, I'm trying to compete with these guys making CDs, and it's turning very cutthroat, and at one time, it was a little calm for me because I could do what I was doing. I didn't have to worry, but now people are like, how come you're not making CDs? I want this shit on CD now, blah, 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 and I was never going to do that because I felt that was a violation for this unwritten rule that I had with my contacts. Right. Yeah. Right? It was To me, it was like... I'm not trying to infringe on what they're doing. I'm just trying to support their their right. thing. Right. And there is a degradation quality about mixtapes, and a, and a certain you know, like you can't come at me and saying you're just taking a song and putting it on a CD. And the seven. quality sits the same. You're not mixing. You're not doing anything. You're basically taking our material without licensing it. Yeah, I was so, making percent no, sure. I was making I sure everything was mixed. I was not necessarily putting the whole song on. You know what I mean? Cutting it so that... Doing doing what I could. And I was putting a lot of Canadian shit, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned with Red Life and all that. The stuff that I felt worked, I was putting that shit on those tapes as well, right? So there was a whole bunch. But around 99, I was getting to a point where I was like, I don't want to do this this way anymore. Yeah, because
0: 50, the album, is 2000, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh...
1: Or 2000, yeah, it might have been 2000, 2001. So this is, so 99 and that raid happens. Yeah. Right? And it's interesting because there's a bit of a, um, what's the word? It was was an internal conflict at the record labels because on one hand you have the higher-ups who let this raid happen. And then you have the guys in the promo department who are like, what the fuck, guy? You guys shit on all the places that we... You, that we, that we rely on to help yeah, promote stuff. our music yeah, yeah. and all the guys that we deal with, and and so there was an internal conflict with them. But as soon as that should happen, um, Big C was thinking ahead, and right. Big C worked at Virgin at the time. That's right. And so he said to me, "I want to. We want to sign you and do this legit. We want to start putting out comps like the same way much dance happens, and blah blah blah. Okay. We want to do that too." So they came to me. And said, you're going to be the hip-hop comp guy And we're going to sign Baby Blue And Baby Blue is going to be the jiggy comp comp crew And we'll have like one or two records We'll give you a budget And you guys can produce one or two original records But the majority of the disc will be licensed music From all the different labels The same way Much Dance does shit And we were like, fucking dope I wasn't going out looking for that opportunity Those guys came to us So why would I say no to that, right? But what happened was Universal got wind of that, yes. and they went after Baby Blue and offered them a little, like obviously a more lucrative, that's right, yes, a more lucrative that's right, opportunity. That's right. Yeah. And and what Universal said was, and at the time Universal like was running shit, the, the and it's similar to what they have now. They had every major record label, you know. What I mean, like Virgin had shit, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. nearly on the same level in terms of Universal think about well, that was the whole rock. Well, Everything was on it. The right. They had everybody, right? Like they had, uh, percent like, of the stuff? Yeah. No, I know. We I remember We were, like we were doing the street team <coughs> stuff, yeah. right? So what happened was Universal was like they offered baby blue more or whatever their deal was, but then also locked off Virgin from licensing any of their shit. Okay. So so Baby Blue, in turn, <coughs> kudos to them because they got a better opportunity, but they kind of fucked Big C and Virgin over. It's
2: just business, son. It. it is business, right? right but right, so as right.
1: I said, but yeah. it, I mean, in, in, when you look at it from from C and Virgin's perspective, like they got fucked over, right? Right, like, right, because right. it was their idea, their concept. You know what it was
2: Virgin from the time it came out? They should have locked, like when you announced that to everybody, you should have locked it down the same day, like have everybody in, like. Get to that point because once everybody else hears about that, and that's when the label shit 5 <laughs> popping. They're like, no, 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 we can do this
1: over here. Like, but you know what's it's interesting? Just they they right couldn't here? lock me in right away because I actually had a deal with Stickman because I had uh-huh. put out that ass compilation. Yeah, those guys signed yeah, me. I think it was crack supposed crack to be two albums, but then Stickman folded. Uh huh. But they still had this contract or whatever, and they wouldn't let me out of it, so mm-hmm. I had to wait till the contract expired. Uh-huh. And so what the plan was is that. They would put Baby Blue out first, mm-hmm. and then when my contract expired, I would come oh, and do my shit. Okay. But then Baby Blue jumped the gun, and they went over to uni, and so they were, like, Virgin was really scrambling to try to get some shit done. So what happened was I ended up stopping, when the raid happened, the last tape I put out was 48. Take 48, right? Okay. So in the brainstorming with us at Virgin and all of the A&R and everybody, we all sat around in management and stuff. We're like, okay, so what are we going to do with this idea of going legit or whatever and they liked the concept of continuing my mixtape legacy so they, like, why don't we just do tape 49 and you know we'll do basically what we did is like well however the brainstorm came about the idea was we're going to get every top Canadian. rapper, Canadian rapper that we can get our hands on and we're going to put out this CD and it's going to be called tape 49 the setup and the setup meaning we're setting up for the the legit Release of Volume Fifty because Volume Fifty just sounds like a good number to Uh, make to make it it couldn't have been it It couldn't couldn't have been 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 fucking rolled out more right so so we do so we recorded we recorded in Agile's basement he had uh, he was part of Brass Monk right and so and we were good friends already we had grown we had all grown up together okay okay like his. My best friend and all those guys, we they went to school together. So we were all friends anyway, right? And we had a long relationship with Brass Monk. Like, before Brass Monk even mm-hmm. put vinyl out, they were working on stuff. And they came to me. That's another story. So they, 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 they did a demo for 1-2... What the fuck was it called? 1-2... Come like, on One, two I just two. caught one, just one, just one, two? Yeah Yeah, so one, two They came to me with the demo And they're like And when I played it I was like Holy fuck This is dope as fuck And I'm like What, what are you doing with it? And they're like oh, We don't want we them the no money So I fucking gave them A thousand bucks To go press up The vinyl i vinyl, okay um, Because I believed in that record so, so much shit. Right? I was like Fuck this You're not just gonna not, it's not gonna Do this shit You've seen so many good
2: yeah, Classic stuff you know, man,
1: you know what I mean Part of yeah. that man He's like yo
2: I gotta get this up man. <laughs> And I was
1: like yo Go get this get shit this done And pressed yeah. and whatever And so they did And then they ended up Paying me back And blah 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 So I was a big supporter Of Brass Monk And so again Fast forward So it's now 99 And we're gonna get this Fucking ball rolling We call up all the people We want on this shit And the problem with us Is we're now only uh, relegated to using Stuff on Virgin Virgin, Virgin, uh, Virgin All those beats Are all right. Virgin EMI like, beats, right? you know, The one thing From a hip hop standpoint The one thing That Virgin had That was great Is they had Ruckus yeah. you know, Yes Right yeah. Which for a hip hop dude Ruckus was an incredible label Had incredible shit on it Especially at that, at time, that time, too, time too Because
0: was, everything was jiggy And Ruckus was kind of like Oh yeah The right. anti-jiggy You yeah, know what yeah. I mean so It was that real hip hop yeah, yeah, yeah We had, we had like Gangstar We had like Yeah
2: Game right Gangstar yeah. And that was it and then we had a few little choices in the But they pretty much, man right? So, purpose, so right, we hit I'm up curious. everybody
1: And we put the concept together And we kind of figured out how we were going to do it And for probably a month straight We had guys coming in and out of Jay's house Recording their parts And so I had to balance It was interesting So my second kid was born in 99 So I was balancing oh, okay. Two young kids, you know, with my wife at the time My radio show And now working on this album and I was doing full-time radio at the time. I, was, they, I had gotten promoted from just doing the rap show to doing evenings. So I was working uh, I was working uh, seven days a week because they moved my radio show. So after one year on Saturdays 5 to 7, some internal bullshit at the radio station, they were like, oh, we don't want rap on Saturday afternoons. And they were going to get rid of the show. The general manager was going to get rid of the show. But my PD was like, no, we're going to keep the show. We're just going to move it to Monday and Tuesday nights at midnight. Oh, that's right. right I remember when that happened mm-hmm. And so And so I was still doing that show And they were like You can You know when they gave me The evening show Wednesday through Sunday They were like Well just Pre-record Monday and Tuesday I said no That's the show I like doing I'm not gonna pre-record that shit That shit's gonna be Live Live mm-hmm. You know what I mean Like that's the one I wanna do And so I was basically Working seven days a week Not in, You know in, Not even factoring in Any gigs I was doing uh, any other radio station shit i was yeah, doing awesome. so it was a bit of a hustle at, you know those years or whatever and so we were at Jay's house we're getting all these guys to come in and record their parts and then we pieced together this this mixtape and they pressed up at least 10,000 copies of, of 49 because we the, the concept was we're going to give it out for free to promote that a new album you know the volume is coming mm-hmm. and it was wild man like they like kudos to to Virgin and C and Dwayne and all those guys over there, Russ and the whole vision that they had. Yeah. Because
2: they know, fucking. He, he doesn't even know that's me behind all that. I was the head of the street team then. Right. And, and, so and Chris was there. Right. And you see all that stuff? Right. Because you remember I had the reps crossed, so you see. I, I, was Ice that. there
1: too? Ice came in after all that,
2: but Ice was came just that in between. like you know, Right. I went on tour around 2000, and I was supposed to go away for a week, and it ended up being like. Eight months. So that's why I left Virgin. Oh. So well, we had her side in. Yeah. So that's why I did that record because I was in the States. So yeah, and then Ice came in. Right. I said Ice is perfect. And then C, that's when C, I was there when C was there basically for the first maybe two months. Because Dwayne was there. Yeah, Dwayne was there. Yeah, because Dwayne and C.K. came from yeah. Sony. I was just the first reception when C came to the door. Right when we signed your deal and yeah. all that, I saw that, and then, I, then, yeah, that's when I went off and did my tour store. So.
0: Well, me and you joked about it, like online, because you said, I remember somebody was like, looking for tape 49, and I'm oh, like, right, oh, right. I got about five sealed copies of that in my crew right now. Right, right, you know what I mean? street team times yeah. and shit.
1: People, you know, was it, was it, somebody sent me an Instagram of that in a store, it's, yo, it's worth a lot of money, man. It's, yeah, but it was like I can't remember. There might have been it might have been one where it was only it was only going for a dollar, right. but that's still a hundred percent increase in value. Okay, there you so, go, for free, right? For I don't remember, but yes, it was still something that people hold revere. I remember when I ended up touring to promote and we went across the country. That was the biggest thing. Guys would come up to me and talk about that fucking dude, CD. Our street team. Honestly,
2: yo, man, all them dudes from the states and they came up those years. They even came up that year when Puffy and they were like, "Yo, no, I'm trying to put up blast." we like, "Yo, we never see street team like that." Like, cause right. the blue squirk, right. actually, like, like, that's mean, like every, right. we were. It's every, on there, like, like, yeah, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. those
0: guys are my homies. Dude, and shit too. Right, like, right. we killed that, man. Like, yeah. we used
2: to back to back and to I mean, back. And back that. I mean that. That's how when we lost shot Claire, we can get this up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch like, dude, our street team was crazy with it, like. On a level that no one
1: See no the thing that we seen. had Was we had the hustle And we had guys who Because we all came from nothing We were so hungry To build something and passionate the, uh, the, the one thing passionate. we didn't have was You know if you want to look at What's going on in, in Toronto now Versus back then Is we didn't have The notoriety And of course The quality mm-hmm. right? right Like we had good shit Don't get me wrong I'm not going to you oh, yeah, know, I'm not going to downplay What we had back then But there was definitely A level that is Completely different
0: It's funny Because I remember At a point in time Giving a DJ Something I had done Early on And the comment was It sounds too Toronto mm-hmm. And being offended by that mm-hmm. Whereas now I'm like That's a fucking Greatest compliment right. In the world Right, right? You know what exactly. I'm saying Right
1: exactly. Yeah there, we've, we've always had A love-hate relationship With our own shit You yeah. know what I mean oh. But I think Truth be told, when, when there was something worth gravitating towards, we did. Yeah, and oh, we, of course, and, of and, course. But then the other side of the coin is we've also had this, this struggle where at any given time there's only one artist who breaks through. And then the, they get their shine, but no one else can do it at the same Full. time. So you have Jacques Claire, you have Chaos, yeah, you have Cardi, Hardy. and then you had Drake. Right, and then the weekend had to. It took a minute for the weekend to get yeah. popping. But now we have this thing where there's a bunch of artists at the exact same time, and it's so new mm. for people who have been around for so long to kind of wrap their heads around because not it's been waiting for it. it's good. It? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing wrong that's about sick. it at all. Okay, so wait. So now
0: I think that's what we said. In World domination. We had we, we were visionaries. We <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that Was right?
1: the
0: goal? So from forty nine, obviously we go to fifty, which was the album. Right, and then. I kind of, the way I, it was like half Canadian original tracks and then half a
1: mixtape. Right. So my vision was, I didn't I didn't want to do that much original shit. Okay. But the label was asking to make sure that it was their vision was. Two things happened because they weren't able to license as much material because Universal locked us off. Right. They had to rethink what the project was going to be. Right. And so their vision was let's. Produce a whole bunch of original shit and then mix it in with the stuff we can license right okay right? and so I was like okay I'm good with that but the vision that I have is that for every original track it has to have an American artist on it so I'm putting my Canadian artist on a track together with an, with American, an American artist right interesting yeah and so with the exception of the skits which was the let's make a record deal shit yeah uh Every song is a collaboration, right? So what I had done in my brainstorming sessions was I would pick the Canadian artists that I would want and who I think would sound together with them. And then we would go out of... We would then try to work to see if we could get that American artist to happen. So, like, I had one song in my mind that was going to be Ghetto Concept and Mob Deep, and it never happened. Right. Right, So I was trying to figure who were the artists that I could take... That would match up with you know, so I did want Cardi with Busta, yeah. and that never happened. But it happened with Rod Digger. We got Rod Digger instead. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Tristan and, and Cardi produced
0: that track. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you know, the interesting thing about that song was, again, so I don't know if I was, I don't know if that was in this conversation, but yeah, because I was juggling so many things, I wasn't, I wasn't able to be at every single session all the way through, and I remember. When Rod Digger was sent the beat tape, she picked a beat that I didn't like. Okay. And they ended up recording on that beat. She dropped she laid her vocals and Cardi laid their vocals on top of the beat I didn't want. And I made I picked a different beat in hindsight from from Jay's beats that okay. I liked, and I made them strip the vocals and put them onto my beat because I just it was my record. Right, 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 right. Right? and so there was a bunch of different things but I you know I, I probably last listened to that album a year ago or something just, right. just to go back and hear how I you know how it was put together I haven't listened to it in a long time I actually kind of think it was sequenced well I do it was produced well I think we picked some pretty decent beats, swift, beats. the swift beats and shit are great right? it's, it's all, it's all, it's all it, the majority of that is the grassroots yeah, right? Yeah, Tristan yeah, produced yeah. one beat but the majority of everything on there was was um, grassroots, uh, the, grassroots. Yes. the only record that we did that we never got uh, well two records sorry the only two records that we did original that we didn't get an artist on was Choclair's Bump and yeah. I don't know why We never ended up getting anybody Which is funny
0: Because it was one of the bigger songs the Well earth. that was the
1: single We yeah. went with that okay. as a single Because there was two reasons for that Because Shox was already Popping Because of his first album mm-hmm. Yeah And he was a virgin artist So they just figured It makes sense yep. For him to be the single And then Sox and Brass Monk Who to me at the time Were probably yeah. the two mm-hmm. Really strong Groups artists So we ne- It was just them together And we never end up getting An American uh, An American artist Or whatever Right But it, it, we're kind of, To the point where it's really hard to try to get anybody to want to be a part of anything. Because I don't know if it was the universal thing or just at the time we weren't getting the recognition in terms of, excuse me, a country or a city. uh, Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It was was difficult trying to make some shit happen. And so it's, it's a bit of a testament to the product that we ended up releasing, to what we ended up making. I think we did a pretty decent job. I agree with you, man.
0: I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Okay, so yo, this t- how much longer are you at energy after this? I can't
1: believe someone's actually going to sit and listen to this whole thing. No, we're gonna, I'll probably split it in two, man. <laughs> <I'll probably laughs> just, we got
2: part one, part no, two. No, but that's, got, that's, that's the, the beauty great. of it, man. The podcast yeah. is dope because we can just sit here and talk and have it. Like, that's why I think people love them. It's not like right. we're so used to that. Funny, like, but first, so we're so used to that radio format. Yeah, we got three hours. You got two hours. What are we going to do? But this is when we can just right. lay back, get everything let it come
0: out man Shit. okay so yo you leave
1: you leave energy and did you go to Calgary right after that okay so I left energy in 2001
0: yeah and this time flows cut flows here that's this is an interesting
1: story this okay yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm working at energy and standard broadcasting and milestone are working to try to get their license for um, for what eventually would become Flow, right? And so the president of Standard calls me up directly and asks me to come in for a meeting to you know find out how because I'm obviously at the forefront of the format. I'm you know on commercial radio, I'm a name, obviously. So me and him have a meeting. This is probably like ninety nine or two thousand or something. Probably ninety nine, give or take. Okay. Because Flow didn't launch until February of two thousand one. That's right. And, s- s- yes, so, what was it, Two th- yeah, it was 2001, 2001. It was yeah, 2001. February of 2001, so I meet with this guy, and, you know, we talk about things, and I, I sign a letter saying, yes, I support this idea, and, you know, blah, 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 and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if these guys ever do get an urban radio station, then, obviously, you would come and get me to be a part of it, you know what I mean, in some capacity. You would think, right? Right. And um, so, fast forward to um, 2000, sometime, and then you get word that they're going to get this. Uh, apparently, they they either they they got awarded the license or whatever. But once you get the license, there's still a huge process to right. to get the ball rolling and do all that shit. And um, they hired a PD. And I believe Farley Flex was somebody there. Like he was, he was, one of the, yeah. he was somebody high, like a operations manager or okay. some, some sort of mm-hmm. management type. And so they brought me in uh, to meet with them or whatever. And uh, I met with the PD and we were just shooting the shit. And they were, they let me see the name of the station. And they told me, you know, what the frequency was going to be. And, you know, we shot the shit or whatever. And then I find out uh, near the end of uh, 2000 that uh, my PD at at Energy's like, "All right, we're getting rid of your show and we're gonna let you go. We're going in a different direction or whatever the fuck it was." Okay. And so I called up the PD, and uh, I was like, "Oh, so when we initially met, she was really into having me making sure that I was gonna be on okay. on their right. station, right?" And I was okay. like, oh, "Okay, it's great." So. You know, she goes, any. you know, you're obviously in the forefront. Any position you want, let me know when you take that time slot, blah, blah, blah. We'll work it all out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So when I find out I'm about to be out of energy, I call her up and I'm like, hey, Let's do it. you know, good. what's, what's good? good? Like, this yeah. looks like this is about to happen. They want to. They want me to sign my no-compete clause or whatever, which would have been, I think it was six months at the time. Okay. Right? And so this was probably... December of 2000 okay. and they're going to launch in February. in February and they still hadn't got anything together and she's like okay I'll tell you what she said this is her words she was like I don't want to not let you get your money so sign the no compete get your severance pay and when the six months is up you're in like we'll just give you whatever you know we'll hold a slot for you or whatever the fuck it was okay. and I was like oh, okay alright straight So I signed my shit. I'm now off. Uh, This is 2000. So that was probably November or December of of 2000, heading into. No, sorry. Yeah, November, December of 2000, heading into 2001. Okay. And so knowing that the station is going to launch in February, I probably called this girl up you know mid-January just to touch base or whatever so I hadn't talked to her for about a month and a half give or take right but I know hey um station's gonna launch or whatever I just want to touch base I call her up (laughs) and I'll never forget I'm like hey how are you she's like who is this and I'm like uh Paul Maserai? she's like what can I do for you and I'm like I'm like What the fuck is going on right now And I'm like well We spoke a month ago And we met And I remind her about our conversations He's like oh yeah 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 Well no we filled all our positions And she basically told me go fuck myself Oh wow And I was like wow What the fuck And um, (laughs) Right And so I'm I'm now I'm, I don't know why I never was given an explanation or anything so they launched this radio station and uh, you know as cool as having an urban station on it it didn't launch amazingly right you know what I mean like from, as a radio guy, you'd listen to that station yeah. and you'd be like, eh, eh, eh. You know, well, I remember funny. they went, they went through three morning shows in the span of two weeks, I think. They, they had a show on and then they fired these guys right away. Then they put somebody else in and that guy got fired or whatever. Show was always
0: it's story. funny because, yo, when we were talking to X, he was even saying like, uh, Toronto has big expectations for Flow, man. Oh, like, of course. We it thought it was going to be Hot 97. Remember yeah. what I yo, said, right? Like I'll tell you, it's just
2: the most mismanaged radio event ever and you have to remember we survived on college radio and built a scene for years before that so we expected this that's why yeah yeah
0: i'm sure i can imagine so
2: for all of us like we're like what the but the thing was and i'll say it put on record they excluded all like i know you want to bring new people in but they excluded all the vital parts the core of the city in the, in the center of that, and that's why. It happened. Right. You know what I mean? Certain people that would have been better to make it smooth, would have made it happen. They sure, were guys who probably
0: had, who were seasoned. Oh, we, are, right? all the names. Uh, okay. we
2: all be interviewed on Views Before the Six, all those personalities, and it will come up. The stories one by one. We talked to X, we heard a little, we talked to Massima, you talked to everybody, you'll see the whole picture became.
1: Right. See, yeah. for me though, it was like I, I only critique them from a, a broadcasting standpoint. Okay. Like I listened to them. but well, that was the worst thing about it. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? So my critique and my criticism of it wasn't so much that you fucked me over. I mean, obviously it was that, but it was genuinely from how the radio station sounded, sure. how it was presented, the way it was um, put together, the way it was rolled out, the way it was put together, all those things, those were my criticisms of it. And and I remember going, I remember going back to the guy, the, the president of Standard who hired me, pissed, saying, yo, man, you guys brought me in you you know took advice from me and listened to what I had to say and had me sign a letter. I was told I was going to get a job from so and so, and then all of a sudden you guys fucked me over. And he was like, "Look, it. I'm a silent partner. Those are the those are the guys that run the show. If you want, if you if you want anything, you got to talk to them, right? Like if, if you know if you try to get a job, they're the ones. I can say something, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily it's going to influence what they do, right? And so everybody backpedaling now. Before,
2: come on in, man! I got you, man. In in his
1: defense, he probably from from a production, like from a. He's a lifelong radio guy. The president of Standard. He probably was a little let down by how the station was sounding, and from I heard after the fact, because me and him ended up having. He's the guy that ended up taking me to Calgary. Okay. I found out after the fact that they wouldn't even listen to him. Once they mm-hmm. got the license, they literally be- made him become a silent partner, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they only utilized his his partnership to, to influence get, the CRTC. They didn't the right. say anything they did to you to him, basically. Right, but he didn't care because he was still yeah, catching a yeah, check or of course, whatever. Right, of whatever check it was, he was catching his right. his sure, percentage. Sure. It was, and I guess there is something to be said about the company that helped put this format on the air finally right you know right. what I mean so mm-hmm. which was something that was long overdue oh, way, right? way overdue yeah. you know what I mean and so and so there was a program director <coughs> that worked for that guy and a friend of mine told me to go talk to him and ask advice out of that guy so he said you need to do a monitor and basically what a monitor is in radio speak is you listen to a radio station and you write down everything they do and you critique it. Okay. And so uh, me and a buddy of mine ended up doing a monitor of flow. And I, I sent it to, it was funny, we FedExed it to that same, the president of standard. And literally the morning it ended up on his desk, he phoned me like as soon as it was on his desk, he called me and asked me when I could come in. And so basically, he realized that you knew what you were I knew doing what, I knew what I was doing Right yeah. But he still didn't have enough juice Or at this time He didn't want to Have me work there Because When I came in to meet with him He started talking to me about How he was going to launch A hip hop station in Calgary And so I was like I don't want to fucking go to Calgary and he was like Well I want you to go to Calgary Blah 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 And he basically Courted me for a year So I was I was not doing radio I was DJing And I had my The record label shit Okay Um, For about a year. So this is from 2001 to probably 2000, a year basically. So 2002, right? Um, He was, kept telling me about, I kept saying to him, you need to get me over at Flow and put me in charge of Flow and blah, blah, blah. And he would just say he either doesn't have the influence to do it or he can't do it. But he just kept pitching me on Calgary so, yeah. and you know as a guy from Toronto born and raised it's like who the fuck wants to go to Calgary like ain't yeah. trying to go to I Calgary. didn't
0: even really know. who would have thought that there would have been a big hip hop
1: scene oh, in kind of Calgary right, right. Yeah. well that's that's I'm that is suffering. our Toronto ignorance, right? Like right, we, right, right, we yeah. You know, we always think nothing pops the way it pops here. And then until you go across the country, you realize yeah, yeah, how much gross. they hate fucking Toronto. No, I know. And I it, know. Is a, it is a product of our own fucking doing, right? No, of course, of course. So they just tell us we have everything. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, Toronto is still the greatest place in the world. Yeah. So anyhow, he courts me for a year and a bit. <laughs> and eventually I say to myself, okay, well, nothing is happening here in Toronto... Because again, I went to school for radio, right? So that's my that's my career choice, right? And so I say to myself, okay, I got kids, I got to look after, you know, the DJing is okay, blah blah blah, whatever, you know. But I want to be in radio, so eventually I said, fuck it, I got to take this opportunity. It's a job, right? Reluctantly, and I end up moving uh, to Calgary. I Signed a deal with them beginning of two thousand two. But the station was a there in Cal. Pardon me, in Calgary, they were awarded the license, but they were still planning what the station was going to be, oh, okay. building studios and all that shit. So that station wasn't going to launch until end of two thousand two. So they weren't going to move me out there until you know middle of the year or whatever. Um, but I didn't end up moving in the summer of two thousand two to Calgary, and. It was based on advice from a whole bunch of different people. Like before I took that job, I went and sat with people and uh, the the common denominator from everybody was, go do this job and learn radio from this company and these programmers and all these people that you're going to be surrounded with. Go learn the shit that you think you know now that you don't really know. And in hindsight, I did. You you think as a DJ you know everything and how to run a radio station because you play a couple of hours in a club and it's so different, right? Right. The the, the science behind everything, the the way it works, it's so different than spinning, you know, as a DJ. So in hindsight, I did go and I did. Like when you went
0: there, you went there as as talent. Like I went
1: there as the drive and music director. Okay. I was initially going to be the assistant program director. But they didn't feel I had enough experience. Right. So they hired a different guy to be the APD, and then I went in as the music director, which I had no experience with either. Other than the fact that I, my knowledge of the format, the urban format, was right. deep, I didn't have any radio experience as a music director. Right. So I actually learned on the job how to do that shit, and then again, it's <coughs> not like you just go in and write some shit down and fucking play these songs. It was way more involved in all that right you know right I mean? right right and so the initial game plan so all the, all the people told me he's like listen go there for a year or two years learn everything you can and then get hired back here in Toronto. someone's eventually going to hire you here you know even flow would probably hire you back in hindsight actually i found out that that denim jolly found out about my monitor and apparently he was salty about it because I was I was critiquing his radio station, and he's like, who the fuck is this guy, blah, blah, blah. Right. But because him and the dude from Standard were partners, it eventually got to him, right? So I remember right before we left to move, they invited me to a Raptors game in the in their corporate box. Okay. And Denim Jolly came, and I remember when he introduced me to Denim, Denim gave me, like, the biggest stink look, and when he shook my hand, he knew he didn't want to shake my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was... I already had a stained name as yeah. Flo. There was no way they were ever gonna hire me no matter what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so my you know, my two year stint in Calgary ended up becoming an eight year run. Yeah. Not by choice, but just by circumstance because you eventually moved on up, right? Uh no, there I didn't. I, I, oh, okay. I was the same thing from the when I got there to when I left. I thought you were. I thought you would eventually became a program director then. No, not no. there. Oh, okay, so I was okay. always the music director and the afternoon drive guy. Okay. Um, quite successful in those roles. Like when we launched the station to when I left, you know, in terms of ratings and where we were, it was like night and day. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Now yeah, the station, the station didn't last to being a hip hop and R and B station. It lasted about a year. Because what happened was, it was interesting. In 2002, we had the most hip-hop and R&B stations this country had ever seen, right? So before we launched our station in Calgary, another company put a hip-hop radio show on the air, hip-hop station, pardon me, because Calgary was buzzing about finally getting an urban station, and another station whose whatever product they had on the air was not doing well. So they decided let's let's flip the format and jump the gun and take some of their buzz and see what happens. And so we actually had two hip hop stations in Calgary. Wow! You had the Beat in Vancouver. Yeah. You had a station. I think it was the Beat in Kitchener-Waterloo yeah, that was yep, hip hop yeah. and R and B. That's right. You had Flow in Toronto. Um, I think there was a there was a station in Winnipeg that wasn't. It was like on a a reservation, sure. so it wasn't an official. Um, broadcast station okay. or company but it was a hip hop station right so you had whatever it was six or seven stations that were playing hip hop from none from none yeah. or one right. right and it was like and of all places Calgary had two mm-hmm. competing with each other like fucking hot ninety seven and and Power Power 105 or whatever. Yeah. Wow wow so what I happened didn't know was, it was like that when I that station when, was when was that station flipped in Calgary it left a wide open market so we had so we were still a hip hop station but then the re- you know they did research radio companies always do research and they're like well now we can broaden so they wanted to add some more top 40 into the mix oh, okay so the station went from being just hip hop and R&B to top 40 and it went way the other way like it went from playing all urban shit to playing basically none by the time i left like you could have argued it was like a pop rock station. Like we were playing so much Nickelback, right? And fucking Finger Eleven and Headley and which theory of a dead man. And
0: which goes back to my ignorant statement of you wouldn't think that a rap station would do so
1: well in a Calgary, right? Right. So it wasn't a rap station right. when I left. Right. You played. You know, if there was a biggie or something that was big enough, you would play it. Right, but again, when I left, it was a pop rock CHR station, right? right? Okay, and so you know, I had to fight. Like I remember in '09 when Drake started bussing, you know, I had to fight to get those guys to add Drake because you know, it wasn't it wasn't what they thought the, you know people wanted to hear or whatever. And I really couldn't argue because the station, from a rating standpoint, was doing pretty well. Right, you know what I mean? And so. You know who's to say that if it stayed a hip-hop station for eight years if it would have been as successful or not we don't know the answer to that because it's not that
2: right right that's the real sad thing about history like we have so many amazing college radio classic shows like every station had them on every format and he still wants to are still running, like Mike Mission, their show's still going in Montreal. They've been going from like way back. Oh, really? To, they're still running, man. Wow. I still talked to Mike. Like they've been like running like 30 plus years. I think it's the 30th anniversary. Well, I know I friends of mine show, in Calgary
1: right? are still doing their yeah, right, their, yeah. their show on the on the college station out but, there. Well, it's funny we, because but
2: we have not had a commercial legacy. Like it's funny. We haven't had like an amazing like commercial. Urban hip hop radio. It's, it's just it's just weird. You know well,
1: the, the one big, of those things. Never but the about big, but the biggest thing about it is at the end of the day, you know, radio is a business and it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And so, Flow was in this market for 15 years, right? And it never achieved not even close the type of ratings that you would think because of the format of the success that they started having with Toronto artists, mm-hmm. even Canadian artists. Let's just you know keep yeah. it real the station never achieved, for whatever reason, I'm not going to say why or why not. I
2: can tell you, but we don't have time for
1: that. Right. But for whatever reason, uh, when you're a radio station that's been the exact same format on the exact same frequency for 15 years, you're not a new station. You're a heritage station. Yes. And, you know, in 2010, um... Uh, You know, nine years after it launched Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, Milestone was like Okay, we've had enough Either we're not making money Or whatever the fuck the case is They had enough of the rat race They're like, we're selling They were offered enough of a decent Mm -hmm. amount of money That they were like, we're getting out For the frequency For the frequency Okay Right, so at the time CTV, Chum bought them Because Chum had always been trying to find A second frequency Any radio companies allowed two FM's and two AM's In any market Okay They only had one, ever And so... They were actively pursuing a second uh, FM, and I also know Newcap, which is primarily a Maritimes and Prairies radio company. Okay, they were also trying to get in Toronto, mm-hmm. but apparently the price tag for the one frequency was too much, and so they didn't want it. They were not going to pay that for, you know, for the one frequency. Right. So in 2010 or what, 2009 or whatever it was. Uh, word came down that Chum was going to buy Flow and they had to wait for the approval and all that. And when it got approved, um, they were going to get the frequency in, or they were going to take the keys basically in 2011. Okay. Right? Beginning of 2011. So we found out in 2010 that they bought it and that they're going to be taking over and so on and so forth. And you know, when another company buys something, you never know what they're going to do with it. Are right. they going to flip oh, it? Right. Are they yeah. going to keep it? So are they yeah, going to. Going you know what, what I mean? Exactly. Like, you never know what their plan is because there's no rule mm-hmm. anywhere. Like, people, there's this misconception that, that if a frequency is a certain thing, that it has to stay that way. Mm-hmm. There's no rule that says it has to do that. The only real rules are that you got to play a certain amount of CanCon yeah. as part of your mm-hmm. licensing and that you have to put in a certain amount of money if it's in place. For Canadian talent development. (laughs) Excuse me. Okay. Right? You have to spend a. The CRTC has a CCD fund for each. I I didn't actually know. I knew about the CanCon laws. I didn't know about that. There's there's radio stations, especially when you're trying to get a license. They'll put, okay, over five years, Mm -hmm. you have to spend half a million dollars developing developing Canadian talent. And how you spend that money is up to you, but you have to spend that money. So whether you take a hundred grand and you do like a. Uh, American Idol type of competition and the winner gets the money or whether you put that money uh, towards 10 different groups. Each group has to submit an essay and each group gets 10 grand or whatever the fuck. Right. They, whoever, however you divvy up the money doesn't matter. You have to spend that every year. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so nobody knew what Chum was going to do with the frequency although they alluded that they were going to keep it the same. Right? Because they, they had programmers who felt that they could Take what flow had started for the last 10 years and fix it and keep continuing forward. Make whatever changes they need to make, clean it up, and and make it go forward. And so I had left my company in Calgary that same year, in June of 2010. Okay. And and so this is around the same time that you found out that chum had bought flow so i came back and i was having meetings with those guys saying hey when you get flow you know you need to bring me on and put me back and blah 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 and they were like oh we don't know what we're doing yet blah 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 but i was just trying to plant a seed to come back and apparently it worked because the their their sister company in calgary hit me up almost immediately and they were like come work for us and if an opportunity presents itself to move back to Toronto later on, you're already in the company and it's an easier transition. Uh, transition, right? Yeah. Cool, cool. And I never put a lot of bank into that, but I was just looking at it like a job. Actually, my, my initial plan was if I had ever left that radio station in Calgary, I was going to immediately put all our shit in a U-Haul and we're coming home. Okay. Whether I had a job or not, I'd, I want to be home because I had been in Calgary long enough and it's like, if I'm going to be unemployed there, I might as well be fucking unemployed here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In my home where I want to be, where shit is happening. You know what I mean? Because there was a period where as much as I was involved in the foundation for our urban music scene, when I left, I feel like I missed out on a bunch of shit. Right. Do you know what I mean? Of course, of course. Between 2002 and 2010, or technically 2011 when I came back, so much shit happened
0: yeah, yeah Do you know
1: what I mean? Like between Project Bounce And you know Fucking everything in between There was a lot of shit where The kids who were You know 15 When I was on the radio Doing Street Jam To 10 years later They all remember me But their 8 year old kids All grew up on different shit Right You know right. They, they have no idea Unless that was passed down to them Or whatever right And so for me In Calgary There was a sense of A missing out on Shit that I should be a part of And even though I was involved Like when artists would come to Calgary They would all source me out Because of my name and my legacy And people telling them So there was always that But there was still a part of me Personally that was like I'm not there and I should be there Right In some capacity, right? It's funny because I think you came home right at the A little late but But the interesting part is So So I'm working now for CTV Chum in Calgary. Right. And, again, I'm separated from all that. As much as I know that they own Flow, I don't know anything about what they're doing. I'm I'm far removed from all that. I'm just doing my job there in Calgary. Okay. Right? And then, so they get the keys. When I say keys, I mean they get the ownership of the radio station in February of 2011. And then there's like this massive firing where they just fire. I remember that. I definitely remember that. Like they that. just shook up the whole station. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. A lot of guys got go real frequency. Like all that all shit, guys, right, man. Yeah, yeah. And that was their vision. That was CTV's vision. This is what sh- this is what the station is doing right now. Which is
0: kind of funny because as a listener, that's when I felt. Flow was at its best, personally. That's just I thought I was me, right? I was like, oh, you might get it right. Like Ty and them guys had their show. Mm-hmm. Real Frequency was on. But Scratch you know, and P Plus were doing their thing. It was, right, it was like it was the it was greatest time. representation yeah. for me personally, anyways. Yeah, but right, on.
1: but I think that was a, that was that may have been the um, consensus with a lot of people, right? There was certain, right. there was certain parts of that radio station that were right, mm-hmm. but I think what chum was trying to do and i don't know for sure because again i wasn't involved in any of that was they needed to clean up a bigger mess right do you know what i mean in their mind they're listening to a station you got to remember that these big companies they're not mom and pop shops so they have consultants they have research companies they have you know programmers who have been doing this for donkey years and all that stuff and so all those experts are telling them what they need to do, and their vision was, okay, we gotta get rid of the reggae show, we gotta get rid of the Soka show, we gotta get rid of these little hip-hop one-off shows here and there, and we need to clean the station and make it cohesive (coughs) and concise, and once it's clean, then we can figure out what else we wanna do, if we wanna bring back any mixed shows or blah, 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 right? And then their research also indicated who were some of the people that they needed to keep, so they kept Scratch, And then, you know, they kept certain jocks. They even did research to find out they were planning on changing the name. Apparently, Chum was going to change the name when they took over. Wow. And apparently, they had research back. I learned later that they said Flo had too much heritage and that there was, you know, there was something there. So they got the keys in February. And I think it was two weeks after that, the guy calls me while I was in Calgary. And he goes, okay, I want you now. And I had no idea it was coming. Right? Okay. He, goes, he goes, okay, so now I want you in Toronto. And I was like, okay, when? He goes, two weeks. So it was like, it's right. like so he knew he was going to get me, it feels like, but it wasn't until, yeah. and I may be wrong. It may have been that day he said, okay, I need somebody because of whatever. This is the guy I'm going to get. Who knows? Crazy. And at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck because I got to come home and I got to still be in radio and I got to actually work at a format that I wanted to work at. Right, I mean, because they were still a hip hop and R and B station. Yeah, they they added a little bit of top forty dance shit. What is your title there now? Well, that was di- when I was there oh, okay. initially. It wasn't. It was different. So I was when I first came back in 2011. I was uh, weekends swing and the assistant music director. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I did that for the better part of two years um, happily. I didn't give a fuck. I was hard. I was home. Uh, again, I was fine. I stopped. I didn't have to fucking play Nickelback anymore. Was, <laughs> yeah. I could I could, I could listen to the you know play and listen to a station that I actually enjoy listening to at work at and blah blah blah. Um, but what it, what apparently what came down was that Chum realized that selling that radio station was still a struggle for whatever reason, whether it was the the baggage that came with the radio station, mm. whether it was the format, it was hard for them to sell it to advertisers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was either the sales team wasn't capable of selling it because they're far removed from the format. Right. Or the ratings weren't good enough. One of the two, and I don't know which one it was. Okay. Right? Probably a combination of both. I would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so at some point, Bell Media ended up buying CTV. Right? At some time in between 2011 and 2013 or whatever, they got bought out. So Bell Media now owns uh, all those properties. And then Bell Media sets its sights on buying Astral. Yes. Okay? okay? And so this is all happening between 2011 and 2013. Now, when you're buying another company, you have to get approval from the government, CRTC, and all that. And then there's also this whole thing of... Um, uh, Where was I going to go with? Um, oh, CRTC. Yeah, CRTC. The stage, What's the next uh, uh, Oh, you can only own two FM's. Right. Or two or AM's, like two years, right? Like, yeah. but, so they already own two. You're going to go buy another company that owns two. So now you have four stations. Have, you know, which ones do you get rid of? So company-wide, you know, Bell had to look at all the properties that weren't, were underperforming, and those were the ones that they were going to sell off before they could officially take Astro. Right. right? So they got the approval. It took a while. There was a couple (coughs) of roadblocks here and there. But there was a couple of um, uh, things that they had to work out before they were able to finalize the deal. And that was diversifying a whole bunch of properties, whether they were TV properties or radio properties. There was a bunch. So they had to sell a couple of properties in Vancouver and they had to sell a couple of properties in Toronto, one of which ended up being Flo. Okay. And so in 2014 or something like that, they struck a deal with NUCAP. NUCAP decided to buy those, the Vancouver and the Toronto stations for a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And Bell was going to keep whatever they kept and Bob's your uncle. So now Flo, at the time, it was owned by NUCAP. Okay. Right? And they wanted to keep the format, obviously, because they believed in the format. Um but again, it was a struggle for them as well, right? And so huh. they, it's funny man, I can't. You know, it's it is. It's yeah, fresh, yeah. you know, for it a is. fan of the format, yeah. For a fan of of uh, of the format and knowing that that station, what it what it meant to certain people, of right? course. I mean, you look at a guy like Drake who revered that radio station. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and helped shape him to be what he is, or whatever. At least he claims that. You know, he claims that that was a big part of his growing up. Um, it's it's weird that it never achieved any real significant because radio see, it's,
2: success. It's really hard for a radio station to break its stigma when it starts off wrong. Right. I guess my view of just any right. market well, so any it, city, anybody like it, your first year on air is so important like to me. The vibe of uh Mr. Magic, so we're talking about all those red alert show, even hot ninety seven. Yeah. It's because the jump bar, 88 hip hop, I was in New York, I jumped up. It just had this energy, and this energy just didn't, it's like you can't, it's like, it's like, you you can't shake it. You know what it is to me? You it's know, like know what it is to like, What's the guy, Charlie Brown has that Nimbus cloud, what's his name? Uh, pig pen. Right.
0: It's like the pig pen. Like, the, somebody reason they just can't shake it, man. To me, it's like, you know what a restaurant, like a restaurant opens in a place, and it's a bad restaurant, mm. Every restaurant that there goes there after yeah. kind of always yeah. struggles because of the stigma of the yeah. original restaurant. You know
1: what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So using what you guys are both saying, I guess NuCap as a company was like, okay, we got to shed the flow stigma. right? And so at some point, without changing the necessary essence of the radio station they changed the branding, which happened last, a year ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So now they changed it from Flow, 95.5, to 95.5, The Move. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Now it's still, it's gone through a couple of different phases, but for the, 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 the guts of it, it's still a hip-hop and R&B station. Right, but it's more like throwback, you know? Well, mm-hmm. the, the reason for that is that what we consider classics are, those are the revered... Loved songs, right? Right. Whereas the current format of hip hop and R and B could be argued that is not nearly as um, there's not nearly as much longevity with the music as there was back in the mid '90s to early 2000s. Right. right. So a record that comes out tomorrow that is a hit for four weeks on the charts is somebody really going to play that record two years from now? Exactly. Right Like you could think about Soldier Boy Let's go Soldier Boy yeah. Who for a these. minute For a minute Had a big ass record With the fucking Superman or whatever it was Yeah Ain't nobody playing that shit now There's no radio station Playing that You know, you know as, a, what? as a throwback Right Right Now there's people that still Know the song And remember the song But no one's playing that record As a quote unquote Classic Whereas You could name You know Ten radio stations In Four different markets that all play Mo' Money, Mo' Problems. Right. They all play Gold Digger by Kanye West. They all play In the Club by 50 Cent.
0: See, I think also the way that music is digested now, especially like outside of our age group, I'm talking the younger kids, a lot of them don't even listen to terrestrial radio anymore, right? right. They're either listening to Satellite or music
1: on SoundCloud or YouTube or however they listen and so to. So that was another strategic plan was that we we're trying to age the radio station so if you were you know if when bell owned flow and we were still a hip-hop and r&b current radio station right you're, you're appealing to 18 to 25 year olds 18 to 34 year olds at the high end right right whereas now if the majority of your music is from 97 to 2007 you are appealing to 35 to 44 year olds, 44 year olds. Yep. And maybe right. even older. And those people still do listen to radio. They're the ones with kids.
0: In the car, they're driving. They're the ones that drive
1: to work. It's the they're to the, ones it's the ones that... Like, young kids, they're the streaming mm-hmm. crew, right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There are other people, mm-hmm. but it's not the majority. And people still get the majority of their music from radio. All the statistics show it. But are you going to play music that only appeals to 20-year-olds? Or are you going to play a format... Especially in a radio market where you're trying to compete with...
0: My thought was always you're trying to appeal to the quote unquote buying market. Which would be I mean who well, what you, is you, what you, is the two, buying market? There's, now, two right? phases there.
2: there's a twenty year old's at the disposal and you got like that mid that late thirty, mid forty old males that have that too. There's two aspects. That's why Jack FM can live. But you two, still want to be as mass right? appeal
1: as possible without using without right? losing the essence of the radio station. Like it's funny when people say there's a lot of people who go, you know, Flow's not a hip hop station anymore And I right. scoff at that Because it's like You're trying to tell me Cent ain't hip hop I
0: might have tweeted that Once or twice Right
1: But, the, <laughs> but that, that to me That argument is valid Is not valid you're, right. you're, you're essentially saying That Kanye 50 Dr. Dre Snoop Ja Rule They're not hip hop Right But they are What we're not Is a current Hip hop.
0: No, no, no. I'm saying now. There was a time where Flo was playing a lot more top forty stuff than they were playing. Yeah, the, because they yeah.
1: they had to, you know, again between Bell and Newcap, they were throwing shit against the wall right. to see what was going to help work.
0: I remember that. That's more so when I remember being like real critical about it and stuff. And
1: and you, yeah, everybody had a right to, and there was a lot of salt too. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like when you get rid of revered shows like. Oh, uh, after real frequency, after real frequency I think, and I up. And, <laughs> and Ty and Rez's show, yeah, right, yeah, that that meant a lot to the community, culture, the not even the community, but just the culture, yeah. right? Because they brought something different, yeah, um, to to same way when people were mad when um, Street Jam went away, we didn't have yeah. social media that way, but I almost I can only imagine how how time. how inundated that radio station would have been with with yeah, complaints yeah. if. If they existed in that time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at the time, who the fuck's going to write a letter on a piece of paper saying, saying, fuck, what are you guys doing, blah, blah, blah. They got phone calls, but everybody gets phone calls when you change formats or whatever, right? Right. It takes a lot. Like, in today's day and age, it's like you'd be inundated with fucking just tweets and Facebook shit and all, you know.
0: Speaking of today's... Uh, times and nows, like I, I, follow you on Instagram. Yeah. You have some of the best throwback Thursday pics. You, <laughs> you've met everybody, man. Oh, like, almost everybody. But yeah. Is, who haven't you met? Oh,
1: fuck.
0: Is there somebody that you're like, yo, I still haven't met this person, and it's like, you know what I mean? I've never
1: met Pac Okay. Um, but it's it's, it, you know, it's it's hard to say who you haven't met. When again, my memory doesn't work that well again, right? And it's it can you can argue that you haven't met them if you haven't taken a picture or gotten right, right? So, from our era, I pretty much met everybody, right? But it's kind of like from let's just say 2010 to now or 2008 to now, there's a bunch of people that I haven't met, right? Right. Like, I've never met Nicki Minaj, do you know what I mean? Like... There's always going to be a bunch of people that I've never met, but from the golden era, yeah, from the somewhere? golden era, I probably met everybody. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I
2: realized running with Ron, like that was the blessing, the blessing, because Ron was the promoter, of the radio guy. So all those shows, all those
1: artists, and so beyond that, even like, when, and then when, when led on to other, and then
2: you knew that's what I'm saying. Your history as a group, but so from the jump, it was always around, like right. Around. But then when I
1: started doing, you know, radio energy, and I was still going to these. Uh, places in the states, conferences, the How Can I Be Downs, and all that shit. And you're meeting so many people, and i right. still, and I was still going to New York regularly to meet my friends at the record labels, and you're always meeting people at those places. And there was tons of times where I'd be in New York, and you know, somebody'd be like, oh, "Come to the studio right now." I was in the studio when Mob De- with Mob Deep when they were making the Infamous. Wow! And they were, I was in there when they were. There was two songs they recorded that never made the album. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's 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 like there there's There's things And again I forget more shit Than I remember You know what I mean But everybody that That Would be Would have been on a wish list For me to met I've probably met Dope
0: Dope Alright one last thing Before we get out of here This morning I see this tweet And I thought it was The fucking best thing ever Oh yes Okay Okay? You wrote this tweet And I'm gonna quote it It says Hip hop Juno voters Are hilarious Not Always not giving the award To the most deserving nominee Because they've attained Too much success
1: yeah, it's weird that, you know, all the credit in the world to, um, what's his name? Jazz Cartier. To Jazz Cartier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything that he, him and his team have achieved up to now. Right. But to say that he deserves the award over Drake is fucking bullshit. What's funny is, too, is that I forgot that Tory Lanez was
0: nominated, too. Right right like so
2: right.
0: Well, here's the funny thing because an album that I worked on was nominated for a Juno this year right which was Tanika Charles Soul Run okay she was in the R&B category going against The Weeknd right. so everybody's like oh yo there's no way she's winning I'm like yo never forget Shad beat Drake one time yeah. so that was my David and Goliath moment so I still was so holding
1: what, that hope it, that she mean, could win but you know it, it to mean? me as much as that's cool from from a You know your standpoint. Right. It's completely bullshit. Right. In the face of of what of what the the, what it actually
0: and it was funny because the year that Shad beat Drake, he was actually he was actually hosting the awards that year too, and he still didn't fucking
1: he still didn't win it. And that to me was like the biggest slap in the face. You have the biggest artist. From this country, arguably, not alone, not alone in the world, though, right. arguably, right? right? You had him hosting the award show. You know, I made for what, six awards, and you didn't even give him one. No, now, again, how I many? Do you have six that you It was, it was a lot, right? It was about six. But here, here's the thing: so, so, so the, right. the, the, the company and the people that produce the actual show, right? I think are separate from the voters, the it Junos is. and all really Because really I've yeah. been on a voting panel. Either I've been on a voting panel. Or well, while I was in Calgary, I was on the panel that helped pick who was going to get put in okay. as nominees. One okay. of the two. And I think it's the latter. I think I've never actually voted who wins. who wins. I voted who gets put into the category. And again, from 2002 to whenever I fucking was doing it, you're always just... You're, you get, like, two guys that you've actually heard of, and then seven people that you... I don't know who the fuck this is. It doesn't matter here. Put them in, because... That's just the way it is. And I think it's only been the last four years, give or take, where when you look at the the real categories that matter, at least for me, which is you, you would look at the top 40, the hip-hop and the R&B, right. that there's actual legitimate artists that deserve to be in there based on the actual success right. that they're having. And I always, and I, I don't give a fuck what anybody says, to me, if you achieve success out of this country... To me, that legitimizes your genuine appeal because in Canada, we have CanCon rules which stipulates that you have to play 35% Canadian content, right? right? No matter what. And And it's based off of a weekly thing and that goes for radio and I think TV. I don't know too much about TV. I can only speak on radio, Okay. right? And so if you're getting played in this country... There's a good chance that you're getting played because of that rule, as opposed to people genuinely wanting to hear you and playing. Yeah, okay. But when you go, you know, I was in I was in Los Angeles last summer. Right. Was it even last summer? It might have even been Christmas time. I can't remember. Okay. But I'm listening to Kiss, which is the biggest radio station in L.A., and every fucking ten minutes there was a Canadian artist getting played, whether it was Shawn Mendes, Alessia Cara, The Weeknd. Or Drake, Drake or there might, a, there might have been there might be Bieber, mm-hmm. right? So there was five artists, and literally every hour, their records were getting spun, right? And to me, it's like they're getting played without any law. They're getting played because there's an appeal Legit, and a demand yeah, yeah, yeah. for that that's shit. That's right? it,
2: man. We own it.
1: And so, so you look at the that's Junos, right? And so for the last four years, there's finally been. An argument that says that the, the, the people who are nominated are actually matching up with the ones that are getting the international notoriety Ryan. and success. However, we keep doing these dumb fucking things, and no disrespect to Shad, but Shad shouldn't be winning a Juno over Drake. Right. That's and fucking said. Jazz Cartier shouldn't be winning a Juno over Drake or Tory Lanez. Nope. Right. right. Right? And again, no disrespect to those guys, but the award should match the fucking achievement. Well, it makes the makes industry look backwards.
2: It makes us look backwards. If you understand how the world works, and how the music industry works. Right, right, right. right. That, that well, the doesn't fact, make
0: sense. The fact so that, that, that we still don't even televise up. the hip hop award. Right, no, that, the fact is that, is I was another,
2: part a, of the group that initially boycotted that one right. year and then we was the, allowed to perform in the middle of the show when we did Northern Touch. We well, right, performed on right. it because of that because the was the year before so we're not taking this award. So they gave it to us, oh, we gotta do something now. So we're performing on it, and then years later, now now it's not even telling us. How right. many? How many? So how many
0: steps forward and back? I was saying steps okay. forward and back. But how That's many? Right. How many guys have performed on the on the main stage since then? Not very many, right. right?
1: But okay. the, but uh, here in their so defense, the right. in in the defense of the Junos, it is still a TV show, right? And they have to get viewership, right? And okay. so you're going to put the people on the show. That are going to attract viewers. Okay. So wait. You, so what, Drake, exactly. Drake is the Drake's guy. Drake's never coming. Right. Okay. Right. When me and Drake met before Drake became Drake in Calgary, when he moved, when he came out there to have dinner with me, the, the fucking the same advice that I've given to anybody that I gave to him, and clearly it resonated with him because he fucking used the blueprint, as I said, don't give a fuck about Canada. Mm-hmm. Go blow up in the States, right. and then they'll fucking... Respect They'll, you they'll show you love here. Of course. Right? And so the thing is, as an artist, and again, I can't speak for him. I can only assume. Mm-hmm. But as an artist who knocks on fucking doors before they blow up, and they're all slammed in your face, when you open up those doors for yourself, and you go and attain a certain level of success... I'm not coming back to on some again. fucking. Hey, let me help you now because no, 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 I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm just
2: saying. His category, his form, his nomination in those categories. His name, the hip hop part is still the main part. So this country always has a problem putting hip hop in the, in, in Absolutely. the spotlight. Absolutely, but, but, but let me tell I, you. Let me tell I think it's even worse now than it was. Even right, but if Drake's kids, right,
1: know, right. dog, if Drake called up the Junos, you know, earlier this year and said, "I'm going to come perform." Dude, the hip-hop award would be, would be pr- fucking shown on TV. He would, he would, would be it. fucking performing. Yeah. He would be the biggest name. Like, they had the weekend last year, or is yeah. it this year? No, I think it was, it was last, last year. year. It was last and time. that was a big fucking deal last year, because he had the... But R&B, Urban Music, had the national african joint fight for yeah. the radio
2: station, all the stuff we have in this market, plus everything we des- deserve, and what we've done for the music industry on a whole internationally over the last 15, 20 years, Deserves to have a spotlight Canada's always been a Deserves rock Deserves to have a spotlight Canada's always on been a rock Fucking a country me, right? right That's yeah. why the
1: Nickelbacks And the They're, Bryan Adams And the fucking Sarah McLaughlins And all those fucking That's like That's the old country
2: I know but that's the, the least, old boys it's like the least generation of sports right now You look at sports right now Raptors Raptors TFC, all these other things. It's changed, man. Yeah, but the, the leaves are popping right now. The Leafs are, are be popping but those, yeah, leaves, those same leaves, kids still, I still see them, right? I'm, I'm out of the city, too. You've seen all the other stuff that's been... You would never seen that before. 100%. Right? So it, all that's changed. So I'm just saying the, the Jewels is behind, man. We need to get... Right now... Oh, the whole fucking
1: music industry is behind because I've said for the last 10 years that the CanCon rule yeah. is fucking null and void. We shouldn't be forced to play 35%, and you definitely shouldn't have to qualify with two criteria, because to me, what makes Bieber any less Canadian because he didn't write or produce his fucking music? He's a Canadian artist, and he's a fucking massive Canadian artist, and none of his music qualifies, because all he gets is one criteria he doesn't get uh, the writing right, credit right, right. he doesn't it's get right. the producing credit yeah. and he doesn't get the music credit right yeah. and so to me it's like when Brian adams went through that shit in the 90s because he produced the record in england and co-wrote it with some english dude that they were not going to allow his stuff to be cancon it's like all we it is the most bullshit rule of rules right now it's, it's 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 so uh, neanderthal and out of date but there's too many people that argue because there's like production houses that'll say, well, if you take away the production rule, we're not going to get any business. And then you have writers out here who are like, well, uh, well that's up, they, kind of
0: not true either, because like some of these, look at some of these producers right now. I man, know that. From T minus then C that's, why it's, fucking, that's and, why it's fucking, that's why it's
1: archaic and Neanderthal and out of date. Uh, but some, go to somebody and say to them, it, they'll they'll argue and say, well, if we take if we say okay, we'll drop the thirty-five percent down to twenty, then nobody's going to get played except Drake in the weekend. And my argument to that is, fine. then fucking make quality music. Right. Don't yeah. make us play. That's fine. Don't make us fucking fine. play whack
0: shit. Yeah, no. It's, fun, it's funny because Why? it's funny because I listen to a lot of the podcasts and when you hear them talk about CanCon laws, it's like it's like a fucking
1: magical thing to them, you know what I mean? Like they speak about it like yeah. Oh, yeah, because gotta... there's guys who make a living off of making songs that they know will only get played exactly. on the radio, and they catch these so can checks and they make a living out of that, right, right? 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 But right. I, you know, look, I look at a guy like Drake and his camp with Forty and Oliver and all those guys, and I say they don't have to make anything that qualifies as can con, mm-hmm. but the fact that they do, whether it's Inadvertently or intentionally right. is fucking incredible for what it's doing. Four our scene. It's the fact that, that they're coming back and making getting all these producers yeah. that are from here and making smashes out of what those guys are doing. I was
0: just having this conversation with somebody a lot. Somebody was like, oh yo, he never puts Toronto man's dumb on and I'm like, yo, I, I, I said,
1: yo, do you do you ever read the, the production credits? Right. Because is, everything is, is produced right. pretty much well. Right. The only thing that you can argue with Drake is that he didn't put Toronto MCs
0: yeah, on no, his no, shit. I'm not but, gonna
1: disagree with that. Right? You're right, right? But don't no one can tell me that. He don't put Toronto people on. I agree. Or with Canadians you. 100%. for that 100%. Nobody can fucking tell me that. Everything that he does from the ground up has been Toronto man. I agree. I agree with you 100. percent Yo, with that
0: said, great interview. Views Woo! before the six. Woo! DJ <laughs> Mastermind, thank you for coming through, bro. It was a great Sorry, conversation. No, so nah, we'll cut it in two. Fuck them. Hey, hey. No, I'm just It's all yeah, A lot came up, man. So. Let's all right, up. yo,
2: thrust. <laughs> Another one, man. Get it in, man. All right, views before the six. You know
1: what it is. Peace. Bless up. Bless up.